I know back in the day we were all at some point bloodthirsty maniacs. I mean, public torture used to be a form of entertainment, but since then humanity has come a long way. When MMA first started, it was also a bit extreme. There were dick punches, soccer kicks, headbutts, hair pulling. You could get away with quite a lot. I suppose, though, we kind of realized, at least most of the organizations did, that protecting the fighters was pretty damn important. Also, smashing someone repeatedly in the baby maker is only going to end badly. So we created more rules, which led to unified rules, and here we are today. Yeah, the sport's still more dangerous than getting in a car with John Jones, but certainly things have made it safer. Of course, there's always those people that don't follow the rules, choose to work around them, or just disregard them entirely for the sake of kicking fuck out of someone. Priscilla Cachoeira is the latest culprit. She decided to eye-gouge Gillian Robertson at UFC 269, but to be fair, she did apologize, as if that somehow makes the cheating any better. Still, she was at least remorseful. These next 10 entries? Not so much. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and Happy New Year, because Crypto.com is back. That's right, the world's fastest growing crypto app and official sponsor of MMA On Point is here to help start your journey into crypto. Join us by using the link Crypto.com slash app slash MMA On Point for $25 CRO deposit upon sign up and after reserving a metal visa card start trading and withdraw more on that later but for now here are 10 fighters who broke the rules and didn't care number 10 conor mcgregor only the most passionate of MMA fans would trawl through the entirety of the Conor Habib blood war and count the 10 plus fouls he pulled off in their contest. Some major, some minor. In Conor's mind, I'm sure it's like prison rules football. You know, you can push and shove a little, grab clothing. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, but there are rules for a reason, mate. He did rack up a god-awful amount of fouls throughout the contest, including grabbing the Russian shorts, punching him in the back of the head while on the ground, kneeing him on the face while on his back, hooking his toes into the cage and hooking his fingers into his glove. Did this stop Habib from smashing Conor once he had him on the canvas? Well, no, not really. But do you think Connor apologized for all those fouls? <laughs> no, of course he didn't. Yeah, no one got hurt, but it was just such a continuous flagrant disregard of the established MMA rule set, don't you know? I just don't give a fuck! Still, I'm sure either fan base will comment on this video and let me know what really happened, at least in their own eyes. Number nine, Heath Herring. For the most part, Heath Herring was his standard MMA fighter. He wasn't overly dirty or famous for cheating or anything. He fought some of the best in the world through pride and when he went over to the UFC. But there was this one time in 2005 at K1's Dynamite show. It was New Year's, okay? And apart from seeing who can stay up the latest and keep drinking, sometimes people like to hold hands, dance, celebrate, and yeah, kiss. Maybe if you're a hogmanay pie, you have to kiss everyone in the room. Gross, freaking herpes, yo. Anyway, his opponent, Yoshihiro Nakao, seemed to want to, I don't know, embrace this New Year spirit. And as the ref was given the pre-fight instructions in the Age, he popped a cheeky kiss on the lips of Heron. Instead of returning the favor, he kind of just punched him, like right in the jaw, a clean right hook. Nakao went down and he was out. It was like he skipped four or five hours and was already doing his post-New Year's 4 a.m. party pose. Heron was disqualified on the spot despite him telling everyone what had happened. Tried to kiss me on the lips like a homosexual. I'm not gay. Heron was disqualified and Nakao became the first fighter in history to win by way of a kiss. Yeah, love is fucking powerful, dude. Until the commission agreed it should really be a no contest. Pretty sure kissing isn't allowed in a unified rule set. Heath just said to the Bleacher Report, I don't get into stare downs. Obviously he does. Whatever. Yeah, tons of remorse right there. Number eight, Husamar Palharis. Hey, surprise this man made it onto the list? No, of course you aren't. Pal Harris has a notorious reputation of holding onto submissions after the ref has called a stop to the action, eye-gouging opponents, taking things too far in the gym, and yet it was also that time the UFC banned him from the organization. Don't get me wrong, I love his style, a Super Jack 170 with a terrifying leg lock game, but the man can't seem to stop breaking the rules. The incident that stands out to me the most was his title fight against Jake Shields at the World Series of Fighting 22. That is where he ended up after he got kicked out of the UFC. He got two leg locks in 2014 and that led him to a title shot against Shields in 2015. 
I'm sure Jake was well aware of the reputation of Polaris going in, but what can you do? If you're Jake, I'm sure that just made him want to put a beating on Husamar even more, just for all the shady shit he's been getting up to over the years. I probably would have pulled out when I found out Mazagai was refing, though. The fight was just horrible, not because of a lack of action, but Husamar decided it would be cool to continuously sink his thumbs into Jake's eyes over and over and over again. He swelled up badly. I'm pretty sure he was more concerned about losing an eye than winning the fight by the end of it, and Husamar managed to grab a Kimura and make him tap. And did he let go of the submission? No. When the ref grabbed him, did he let go of the submission? Also a no. It wasn't super crazy, but he kept cranking it even with Mazagai smacking him on the back. He ignored all his warnings and acted innocent throughout the entire fight. He took to Facebook in a long post where he basically didn't apologize and made excuses. Oh, Jesus Christ, will you fucking shut up? He said Mazagai should have been in a better position. His conscience was clean as any fingers that found his eyes weren't intentional and even had the cheek to say violent attitudes only hold back the sport. Yeah, you can make your own minds up on this one. Dude broke the rules, didn't apologize, and was stripped of his title and dropped from the promotion right after. Number seven, Hanato Sabral. Babalu used to be a fan favorite in the UFC. He rose to popularity in rings before he joined the UFC in 2002. It wasn't some major superstar or anything, but the fact he had two stints in the promotion and carried some of that Japanese MMA mystique with him into the late 2000s made him a noticeable figure. But yeah, he broke the rules big time against David Heath at UFC 74, and he couldn't have given less fucks. He was landing some good ground and pound in the first, and by the second, he'd opened a cut on Heath's forehead. I mean, the blood was just fauceting out of him like a newborn vampire messily consuming their prey. Then he wrapped him up in a constrictive anaconda choke and just waited for the lights to go out. David tapped multiple times. Did Sabral stop choking him? No. I know what you're thinking. Surely the ref, the esteemed Mazagai, would pull him off. Yeah, no, that didn't work either. It wasn't until Heath was soundly asleep that Babalu rolled off him. Now, there had been some back and forth in this fight, lots of shit talk. Does that mean you should ignore the health and safety regulations, unified rules, goddamn competitive decency? No. No, it does not. His post-fight interview was even worse. Firstly, the fans were booing the shit out of him before he told everyone in attendance he has to learn respect. He deserved that. He called me a motherfucker. Dana said his actions were completely unacceptable and he fired him, noting as well that Babalu was a fan favorite and they completely turned on him. He never fought in the UFC again. Number six, Gilbert Ivel. Gilbert Ivor was a big Dutch man that ran rampant through the Japanese MMA scene in the late 90s and early 2000s. In the end, he ended up competing in just about every promotion you could think of until he basically couldn't anymore because the commissions wouldn't license him. Why? Uh, it was pretty much based on his inability to follow any of the promotion's rule sets he fought under, his apparent disdain for referees and tendencies to go a bit rampage Jackson and throw a tantrum. His highlights include a 1998 disqualification for biting as well as eye-gouging Kamirula Bakalev. In 2000, he also landed a controversial elbow to the back of the head of Dan Henderson. The next year against Tom Fry, when he was getting busted up, he decided the best tactic would just be to eye-gouge the poor man, almost like everything had gone event horizon all of a sudden. On the spot, the ref raised Fry's hand in that fight after he'd seen enough eye molestation. He also gave the ref a cheeky push on that one. It was nothing major, but in his next contest, he apparently couldn't control his frustrations. He decided in 2004 when he was fighting Ate Backman that he didn't like the fact the ref kept resetting them as they fell over the ropes while clinching time and time again, and after just swatting him away, a few times, he decided to just fucking unload his frustration into the ref's face, sucker punching him square in the mug and then kicking him while he was down. Dude took it like a champ though. Well, he was of course disqualified, then pride wouldn't sanction him. Affliction did in California. I can't believe the UFC signed him for a three-fight streak after all of this as well. He lost all three fights. It wasn't until an interview with MMA Weekly in 2009 where he actually sort of acknowledged he'd done some bad things, and this was almost four years after his third suspension, and he was struggling to get licensed. Most believed in his case, he just didn't have the self-control 
control to actually be in a cage fight and act under a rule set. I'm inclined to agree, and it seems like so are most of the commissions. Number five, Mike Kyle. Now, most of you have probably never heard of Mike Kyle. I myself can say I'd never heard of him. I mean, maybe I did. Dude has a pretty generic name. Still, I came across him while putting together this list, and it turns out he's kind of a dick. Now, I don't know the guy personally, but he's fouled multiple opponents in multiple organizations. Yeah, didn't exactly show any remorse. These include buying Wes Sims in his UFC debut at UFC 47 and clearly not giving a fudge after doing so. The crowd were pissed. Kneeing poor Justin Ellers in the balls over and over again. He eye-gouged Kashaka at Pancrase 8, leading to a technical decision. And then he did the same thing in his next fight against Krzysztof Savinsky. And then perhaps most famous of all, he destroyed Brian Olsen in the WEC. He landed a clean soccer kick, illegal by the way, and then as the ref has his arms desperately wrapped around his race trying to pull him off, he was still raining down punishment and all the while Brian is fucking sleeping against the cage. I mean, it was just disgusting. His excuse? It was pure instinct. Yeah, it's not really an excuse, mate. He also said, Training in Japan, and I was getting ready for Japan. Foot stomps, kicks to the head were completely legal. Mm, no, you weren't. Your last fight was in Japan over a year ago in Pancrase. You had two fights since then, one in the WC, one in Strike Force, where, yes, soccer kicks are fucking illegal. Piss poor excuse. Life endangering behavior. He belongs on this list. Number four, Wes Sims. Yeah, we did just mention him. The retro heavyweight Wes Sims is a bit of a personality. You got to see it a lot when he was in the tough house for the heavyweight season. A favorite moment of mine was his demonstration of his ninja abilities as he scaled the ultimate fighter house. Outside of that, he didn't have a very good time in the UFC. If you ask him, he won the first fight against Frank Mir, but you see, unfortunately for Sims, head stomps are uh, illegal. Yeah, if you know the story at UFC 43, Wes Sims took on the up and coming Frank Mir. He was a Vegas native, super young, basically the future of the heavyweight division. And you know what? He almost armbarred Sims in the first round. But the is six foot ten, so he just stood up and pounded Frank into the canvas. Great, I'm free of the armbar. What now? Oh, I know. The guy's on the floor. Simple. I'll just hold on to this handy cage here and use it to balance myself while I stamp on this dude's head as many times as possible. I don't know if Wes didn't know the rules or if he like forgot he was in a cage fight, but everything about what he did to enter the dragon, poor Frank Mir, was against the rule set. Head stomps were and still are illegal in the UFC, as well as holding onto the cage. I mean, Joe Rogan pretty much stated that's why they were banned in the UFC, so dudes didn't get in a situation situation like this where they were trapped against the cage, can't move their head and boom, 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 they're unconscious. Wes lifted his arms like a victorious Roman gladiator in celebration, taking in the energy from the crowd, even though he got DQ'd on the spot. They rematched, Frank KO'd him, Wes continued to tell media he was the only guy that beat Frank in back-to-back fights. Go figure. Number three, Dirty Bob Shriver. Unless you're like Joe Dirt or someone, having a nickname like Dirty is probably rarely a good thing, especially if you're a fighter. No one wants to fight that guy. I mean, just look at Matt Lindland. Bob was given this nickname, I'll give you three guesses why. He was pretty much notorious for his backhanded behavior stemming from the local Dutch combat scene, and he pulled some of the filthiest shit I've ever seen against Daijiro Matsui at Pride 7. Baz Rutten was commentating, and yeah, he was not surprised at all. So at this time in Pride, it was illegal to kick an opponent in the head when they were face down on the canvas. So cross that one off your Bob Shriver bingo card, because about 10 minutes in, he delivered one to Matsui's head and got a yellow card for it. Also, cross off elbows to the spine, sucker punches after breaks in the action, holding onto the ropes, did... Did anyone get bingo yet? The finishing sequence was by far the worst, though. Bob had Matsui on his back in the corner. He grabbed the ropes so he could leverage some sickening punches down the middle onto his face. Then, after the bell sounded, he raised his leg like a hatchet about to fell a tree. You want me to put the hammer down? And dropped the freaking Hail Mary of all axe kicks onto the back of Matsui's head. Dude, so illegal in so many ways. Bob was DQ'd, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the last time he basically made up his own rules, though. Number two, Gerard Gordeau. Compared to a lot of the other blokes that entered UFC 1, a 6'5 Dutch kickboxer definitely had an advantage, especially when some of the other fighters looked like they'd never sparred a day in their life. 
but it was early days, wasn't it? Anyway, Gordo came second, losing only to Hoist Gracie in the final, but he continued a mixed martial arts career from here. Well, he only had one more fight, but that's, that's still a career, right? Two years later, he went to Japan to compete in the Valet Tudo Japan Tournament 1995. He fought Yuki Nakai, a Japanese fighter who was only five foot seven, nearly a whole foot shorter than Gordo, but the dude was also eight and one, with most of his wins coming by submission. Naturally, Gordo put a bit of a beating on the guy. It's kind of what happens when you chase a leg lock for several minutes with a palm tree of a Dutch guy standing over you, dropping punches like he's trying to pound sand in lieu of his Showtime subscription. Gordo's excuse for what happened next is just, well, to be honest, it's fucking dreadful. According to himself, he told the ref, this guy's taking too much damage. Stop the fight. Stop the fight or I'm gonna injure this guy permanently. Now, in some ways, this was his second real MMA event. UFC had been marketed as two men enter, one man leaves. Maybe in his mind, he's taking this a little bit more seriously than he needs to. On the other hand, why in the holy heck would you think if someone's had enough, you would then decide to permanently blind them? Because that's what he did. Yeah, and it's the ref's fault, apparently. In his own words, he... And I said to the referee, you have to stop the fight, otherwise I do it. And I choked, put out his eye. Nakai was blinded and he actually kept it a secret to protect the image of MMA. At least that's what I heard. That was Gordo's last MMA fight. Sorry, mate. We don't maim in this sport. Oh shit, I forgot to mention Nakai survived everything and went on to tap the Dutchman. That's some daredevil shit right there. Number one, Vicheslev Datsik. Man, I, I don't even know where to start with this one. If you've made it this far into MMA fandom without hearing the name Vicheslev Datsik, then well done. You've avoided some of the most bizarre and truly horrifying stories connected to the sport. Outside of MMA, Datsik has done some truly awful things, but let's just for today focus on what actually happened inside the cage. Firstly, he's a total maniac. His techniques include running headbutts that actually freaking work pretty well, rolling thunders instead of jabs, dances to distract his opponents, some truly insane fighting stances, fighting two guys at once, and even some flying drop kicks. When it comes to fouls on multiple occasions, the ref would try and tell him to stop, and yeah, he just wouldn't. Oh yeah, that's if he didn't decide to fight the ref instead. He'd also just target the groin, because why the fuck not, I guess? It's not like you're following the rules of society, let alone MMA. Go and watch what he did to Vitaly Shrakba's poor testicles. There's also eye pokes, using the ropes to stop takedowns, and having a whale of a time in the process. I mean, literally, not only did the guy throw the rulebook out of the window, he pretty much set the thing on fire. It wasn't every fight, but yeah, he had no problem breaking the rules if he even understood what they were in the first place. Yeah, there's a ton of other controversial shit this guy was involved in. It's not really related to MMA, but perhaps he is the craziest fighter of all time. I just wanted to say a big thank you to Crypto.com, the official sponsor of MMA On Point. We're incredibly stoked for the world's fastest growing crypto app to be helping us create the content we love and guide us through the expanding world of cryptocurrency. If you fancy joining us, you can use the link crypto.com slash app slash MMA on point for a $25 CRO deposit upon sign up. And after you reserve a metal visa card, you can start trading and withdraw. This will allow you to buy and sell crypto at true cost and trade with confidence on the world's fastest and most secure crypto exchange. A big shout out to Luke Taylor for editing this video. You can find him and some of his amazing artwork on Twitter at cool to me underscore. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on Point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further. And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.